Hey, hi, hello, what's up, gang? How are you? Uh, thanks for tuning back in. Mish- hi ho, Mishka Shabali here. Um, the I am fresh. I want to say I'm fresh off the road. I'm unfresh. I am I'm soiled off the road with Derek Sheen. We did a quick little run up to. Kingman, Arizona, which is uh, one of the most charming little crossroads in the middle of the Arizona desert you you can find. Uh, we did Kingman. We did uh, a show at my house. We did Tucson, and then we did uh, Dear Old Bisbee. Um, thanks to everybody who came out. It was, uh, man, it was such a weird little run. The I hadn't, I had booked a show with a fan uh, like two and a half years ago to go and play his birthday party in Kingman. And then it's just been uh, canceled and canceled and canceled. And finally we went up there to, to do it. And the not a whole shitload of Mishka Shabali and Derek Sheen fans in Kingman. Um, but holy shit, uh, our boy Russell's wife made salmon Wellington for us, which was uh, salmon baked in like a breaded pastry. And we were like, ooh, that's a little complex. The, is that actually going to work out? And then, holy shit, it was fucking incredible. Uh, she, There were scales on the dough. The, she, It was like fish-shaped, uh, breaded, uh, nice, gluten-y fish um, with scales. With a, I think it had an olive for an eye. It was fucking incredible. Just an amazing meal. And then... Uh, we stopped off and met um, at Person of Cactus uh, on Instagram as his identity, uh, Jan Emming, a Dutch man who lives in the middle of the desert. And uh, when he was a kid, when uh, when kids were just, you know, deciding if they liked uh, dinosaurs or robots, he chose cactus. And he has this uh, really cool sort of cactus preserve in the middle of the desert. And I've been following him on Instagram for years Um the so we were psyched to go there and i didn't realize that he had made his entire house uh he made his shed and his house out of papercrete which is a combination of pulped paper with standard concrete uh he built the whole fucking thing himself and it's man it's so cool just had an awesome time there uh the show at my house was of course the bomb i'm sorry you missed it we don't have anything else scheduled right now because i'm going to be on the road and we went down and did uh Catalina Craft Pizza, just a little bit north of Tucson. Again, fucking awesome show. It was like the the only people there were the families of the promoter and the host, and that and I didn't need anybody else there. It was awesome. Everybody was super funny, and we had a fucking blast. Went down to Bisbee, um, played at the Quarry, one of my favorite places to play. Uh, they have a new bartender who is a total stunner. Um, really nice woman and saw Tom Kanopka, Christine Levine, just, uh, such a killer trip. And boy, did that wear me out. I had to take a night where I just hung out with my cat and my dog to, uh, to restore myself. Um, on that note, I have a ton of shows coming up. The, it's funny, I just did a little four show run. It kicked the shit out of me and I'm like, oh, now here's 10 more shows. Uh, November 30th at the Comedy Fort in Fort Collins, Colorado, uh, with just like all my favorite comics. Uh, Sam Talent, Ben Roy, Kyle Pogue, um, who will be on next week for Kyle Week. Um, Haley Raven and Steph Bright from Arkansas. 
Then the night after that, I start my my run with Rad Pinkard in earnest. Uh, December 1st at Backswing Brewery in Omaha. December 2nd at Backswing Brewery in Lincoln. December 3rd at Barrel of the Bottoms in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, December 4th at the Painted Door Series House Show in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, we're off on December 5th. December 6th, the house show in Chicago with uh, Scotty Coomer from 10 Junk Miles um, with uh, comedians Tremaine Bradley and Colin Nelson joining us. Then December 7th, we're at Can Can Cinema in Indianapolis, Indiana. Then I have a week off. Uh, I put I pack Rad up in his crate and ship him home. And uh, December 14th, I'll be doing a house show in Columbus, Ohio uh, with John Langford of the Mekons, which is going to be fucking killer. Mekons are such a great, uh, great band, underrated band, impossible to get sick of them because I've tried. Um, see, our guest on this week's show is Kyle Shutt, who is uh, Kyle. In, in my mind, I haven't seen I haven't yet seen something Kyle can't do. Uh, he, he's a comedian, storyteller, performer, entertainer. He fucking shreds guitar. Holy shit. The, yeah, this guy's phenomenal. Um, and he was the guitar player for a band called The Sword, uh, that recently broke up. So we, we talked a lot about that. Um, and sort of just the shit that he's going through. I, you know, as I'm approaching the, one year anniversary of this podcast and trying to figure out if I want to keep going or not. The I've been cranking out a couple of podcasts, which are exactly what I want to do. Um, the, you know, the story of my friendship with, uh, with Kyle Shutt is just um, a couple of dudes meeting, you know, the uh, JT Habersat said he was a cool guy and I knew, I knew his band. Um, and then uh, he saw me play at kick butt coffee you know, said a few nice words about uh, my guitar. And then we sort of got to be buddies or acquaintances. And then um, he hung at my house briefly when he was in town, uh, I don't know, years ago. And then at one point, he posted something on on Twitter. It sounded like he was really, like, fucking going through it. And I reached out to him. And then... We just, I don't know, we, we got to be super tight, super close. The um, he's, a pro, he's a bro. We trust each other. And now we have this, like, totally real, totally genuine friendship that's just based on dudes having the strength to say, man, I'm fucking down the well. I need help. And... Uh, he's answered that call for me and I've answered that call for him. And now, uh, you know, it's like the sky's the limit as far as our friendship goes. Um, I really love Kyle a lot. And I think that I'm really proud of this podcast. I think that it takes a lot of strength to, takes a lot of strength to keep it together and be like, no, I got this. And it also takes a tremendous amount of strength to be like, I'm down the fucking well right now. I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. And I was so appreciative of Kyle just being able to uh, to let it rip here and to, you know, to talk about a lot of the shit that's been bothering him, talk about, uh, you know, the ending of a significant relationship, the the breakup of his band, all that, <laughs> all that 
death, despair, darkness that um, that I I I live on. <laughs> That's my my food and water. Um, so Kyle, uh, dude, thank you so much for uh, for this conversation, and thanks for. Uh, thanks for being willing to be sort of open and honest about all the shit that's going on in your life. And please enjoy this conversation with Kyle Shutt. Mishka Shabali is catching up with friends who are arguably more talented than him. Just in case either one of us says something funny or insightful, the... Um, <laughs> Are you, uh, where are you? You'll, you look like you're in a bunker. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hiding far underground, uh, terrified of the outside world. Um, uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm in Austin, Texas right now in my Airstream travel trailer where I reside full time. Oh, okay. Awesome. The, so are you, are you on Wi Fi? Are you just calling the, is I'm it, a, I'm, is the I'm trailer buried underground? No, no, the... no. I, I am on Wi Fi. We have a pretty decent, uh, internet out here. Uh, one of, I will say, I have a lot to say about uh, people that want to live in RVs full time and to live this dream life of traveling around and, and working remotely and everything that uh, there is no motherfucking internet at any RV park <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm very lucky to have found one that does have some decent internet. So, yeah. The um, dude, we have so much shit to cover. I'm just going to, um, I'm going to plunge yeah, right you steer into the it. ship on this one. I'm just going to kick back and relax. I love being on, being on other people's shows. <laughs> the, it's it's fun because the because you do less you seem to like you get you do less work and more work when you're on somebody else's show where the uh -huh. where you don't have to think of the questions but also you get to talk more yeah the that was one of the things that was so hard for me when i started doing this uh, one of the first ones i did with j was uh with jt mm -hmm. and i was just in like van mode with him where i was like man shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> just let me talk and i realized well, like that you know, to yeah, be a good host, you you listen to your guests and you let them fucking get to the end of the thing, you know. Mm -hmm. It took me a minute um, to realize once because I, I got kind of pushed into podcasting. I really didn't want to do it. It just the world sort of just made me do it, and um, it turns out I, I really enjoyed it. But it, I did realize after a while that when you have your own show, it's not about you. It's about all the other shit that you're into and and things that, yeah. that you want to. Uh, to bring attention to, to to your fan base and everything like that. So that was a little balancing act that I didn't expect there for a, for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because it's sort of like you in this these lives that we lead like a road life you meet so many fucking interesting people from so many different walks of life and so many different experiences mm -hmm. and then it's awesome to have a podcast where it's like you get to show off your tape collection but that mm -hmm. means that you have to serve the listener and well you have to serve both the listener and the cassette you know mm -hmm. the that it's not about you um one thing i'm curious about the is man how the fuck did you wind up living in an rv when you've spent so much of the last 20 years of your life living in buses, living in hotels, living on the road, I would think that you would do everything and anything to prevent yourself from like um, living on the road again. Yeah, uh, this is it's going to be a dark answer. Uh, I don't know if <laughs> good. you like it, I, Let's but, good. Uh, let's get right into it. I did it for a woman. Um, yeah, my ex-partner um, 
I'm just, you know, I don't even give a fuck anymore. I'm just going to say it like it is. Um, you know, she uh, basically emotionally terrorized me into abandoning the life that I would have preferred to lead. And then just sort of buying this travel trailer was like the first in many steps down a dark road of me allowing myself to be uh, financially taken advantage of and emotionally manipulated uh, to the point where I now live in this thing by myself. Uh, and while, while she lives uh, in Phoenix with my fucking kids. <sighs> there, I said it. It feel good to, to just blurt it out. Um, I'm, I've I've said things about it on my own show uh, before when people ask me something like that. But um, especially after after the last two years, uh, I've been through so fucking much, and um, I I have started seeing a therapist again, which is really helping, and just working through like you know uh, going through actual exercises to to exorcise the hate that lives in my heart, uh, which is one of the reasons that I've been having such trouble, I think being creative lately uh, is just because I, I learned from a, a very wise man, uh, Tom Rhodes, a phenomenal comedian. Uh, he, I love uh, Tom. he, we, we were having uh, a nice Thai dinner one night and I was trying to tell him about all the hate that lived inside me. And he, you know, he was like, man, that shit will stifle your creativity. You have to get that out of your heart. And it's very, very difficult to do that. Um, I'm, I'm realizing uh, I'm, Making baby steps, but yeah, so I'm I'm kind of a fucking mess right now. Uh, 2020 was actually fun. I fucking I destroyed the whole pandemic. I, I I just I don't I won't say thrived, but I I do really well when my back's up against the wall, you know. And so that actually wasn't that difficult of a year for me. It was 2021, and this year have just been a hurricane that just destroyed pretty much my entire identity and i'm sort of putting together the pieces right now uh dude thank you so much for uh for being this open and going this deep yeah. and this dark this early i mean this is uh this is what it's all about for me uh just, you know i mean just being honest man <laughs> the, you know I, I i had a similar trajectory where i made it through most of 2020 uh totally you know i was like just kicking ass and then just got completely the rug pulled out from under me completely derailed 2021 was a fucking abject nightmare and i was still sort of nosing around the bottom um you know winter and spring of this year and then i had like a series of epiphanies and the and now i'm doing great the and i feel real guilty about it because so many of my friends are like still <laughs> fucking still going through it and like the other day i just had a good day like start to finish and i felt so uh -huh so guilty afterwards like do i tell anybody about this that i had a good day like the it feels kind of gauche to be like like i'm rubbing other people's faces in it you know the yeah but yeah i had i had one good day the one of the things i do want to say though is that um i feel like we live in a society where you're supposed to be uh polite or diplomatic about the shit that you're going through in your life uh to to such an extent that it's impossible to accurately express yourself and the mm -hmm. you know when we have to say um you know irreconcilable differences or something like that or to you know to try and take the higher ground and not be like you know that motherfucker i'll stab him if i ever see him again you know the mm -hmm. that we um that we deny ourselves the expression 
of that that hatred, that anger, whatever the fuck it is, that that all those dark emotions, and then it just ferments inside you until it mm-hmm. takes over, and yeah. and there's nothing else you know left inside you. So the I would always I always have people who are sort of like lecturing me that I should go and do yoga because I was such an angry dude, and that was just the worst thing for me. And what I needed was boxing, where you just yeah the I remember like a girlfriend dumping me and I drove home and I, I saw the gym and I was like, fuck it. And I went in and I did like 10 rounds of just like, oh, <laughs> and the, and then I went home and slept for like six hours. And when I woke up, I was okay. Cause I had mm-hmm. just blown through all those negative feelings, but, um, man, I'm so sorry you're going through it. And I'm so glad you have people like Tom to, uh, to talk to about it Tom's great um but you man uh it's nobody really knows this but um you were one of the first two people uh, I can't I there you might have been the second person uh no 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 that's not true you might have been the first uh that I called when I just really hit fucking rock bottom with my relationship uh with my ex-partner and you know I'm not entirely blameless in the situation nobody is you know uh not trying to make myself be like the victim here but it was just me you you really opened my eyes to the situation that i had allowed myself to sort of be trapped in and uh you were a huge help in me kind of just <laughs> putting my foot down and uh take taking my power back every cliche in the book but you know it, it, I, I really appreciated your um your advice and your your take on the whole situation because uh you were right and whenever somebody really tells you like you are in an abusive relationship you know you have two choices you can like look in the mirror and accept it or you can just put your head back in the sand and um i had had my head in the sand for so long i was fucking tired of it and um you were a huge help also a a man named jamie wellworth uh if you're if you're out there listening he's the first guy i called once the uh the other shoe actually dropped and um yeah you gotta have friends you gotta lean on your friends uh nika rogers was another one that i called that uh, all y'all really helped me through that incredibly difficult time which is still difficult but uh i don't feel like taking my truck to 120 and jerking the wheel anymore so that's uh you know a real testament to the the amazing friends that i have very lucky man thanks man the that was such a weird funny phone call because the we haven't known each other incredibly long or and we haven't like been in any shit together or something. You know what I mean? Those, that shit yeah. that happens that sort of forges friendships. The, mm-hmm. But uh, I remember that day. I remember you posted something and I was like, man, this dude is in trouble. And then I think I just texted you or something. And the, and then I, I guess I hit you at the right time with the right thing. And we just, uh, just talked about it. And the, it's, it was hard for me to, talk to you then when I could tell that you were in such pain and that you were struggling so much. And also when I got off the phone, I was like, now I have another friend who I can call in the middle of the night when, (laughs) when shit goes fucking sideways for me, because the, if we weren't bros before that, we certainly are now, you Mm -hmm. know, the, so I, um, you know, I appreciate that you trusted me with that. It was a weird, weird fucking time, but, um, still, still going through it. It's fine. I'm doing a lot better. Uh, my therapist has me uh, writing letters, uh, which I will never mail uh, <laughs> anywhere uh, in an effort to physically get the hate out of my body. And uh, it works surprisingly well. Um, uh, uh, the trick is that you have to do it. 
um helps when you do it every day but um also it it kind of interferes you have to be creative or i don't know like i i I look at anything like that as like now i'm being creative so now i'm like being creative about getting my hate out but i don't feel like being creative so it's just uh, it makes this whole fucking mess in your head and that's i guess that's the point of therapy is to 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 clean up that mess but um yeah Yeah. it's going well so far her name's shirley she's she's a peach it's so funny it's it's funny and it's really rewarding to like make it to this point um in our lives where like a lot of my bros like we're the we're sort of like older chilling out in our 40s sober in recovery and we my friends and i now talk to each other about our therapists the way that we used to talk about like strippers we were dating or something <laughs> like that like man she's so great like i, I really wish you could meet her yeah. <laughs> tell me more about your therapist bro <laughs> i love this shit i had seen a therapist before uh maybe back in 2015 once a week for about six months and uh, it really helped me kind of get my shit together because at that point i had, i had sort of had like ptsd from like traveling around the world non-stop for like 15 years playing music and just like never taking care of myself and like when i when the sword decided to take like a year off at that point and when i stopped and like looked behind me at the trail of destruction that i had left between every fucked up relationship or friendship that went sideways or just well you know like all all the all my closest friends lived all over the world you know and then we, we had only like toured together for like six weeks but made this intense crazy bond you know and then like then you don't see them for like five or six years and then something like that you yeah. know it, it's you create like a million of these really intense relationships and then when you finally get quote home you have no friends, you know, or it, it, people that were your friends, like look at you differently. And you just, you just kind of have to, I don't know. I, I started to feel like, um, you know, no disrespect to, to uh, the armed services or anything like that. But I was like, I was, I'm starting to feel like, a, like I've been in like so many wars or I've been at war for like 15 years. And I just am like going fucking crazy. And then, you know, I would talk to, to some, you know, veterans about, you know, like their PTSD or something like that. And and they were said like, you know, all the, the tours that we did, like this and that. I was like, man, how many did you do? And they're like, oh, I did two six-week tours uh, 10 years ago, you know, and it fucking changed my life. And I still was like, oh my God, I've done like 150 <laughs> six-week tours in the last 15 years, you know? I'm just like, I, I kind of like didn't realize how intensely stressful the touring musician schedule was. I just did it. And I just, you know, the got drunk and stayed stoned all day and just fucking just did whatever I wanted, which was, you know, kind of like the, the allure of getting into it when you're a very young person. But uh, just after that long, I was like, I need to fucking see somebody. Cause I don't know. Like I, I, I woke up like on my living room floor one night, um, empty bottle of Jameson next to me, my front door wide open, my cat gone, you know? And I was like, okay, I, I yeah. need to get my fucking shit together, you know? And so, started seeing this guy barnaby uh who really helped me out and uh helped me kind of like sort out my life up until that point so dealing going back into therapy now like that i guess that was seven years ago so now i'm just sort of dealing with all like the mess that i've gotten myself into in the last seven years which it turns out is quite a lot um a lot more <laughs> than i'd like to admit but um it's not so much crazy legwork as the first round of therapy was like this time we i really have like specific goals that i'm trying to achieve 
you know, and, and things like that, then that, that uh, Shirley's really helping me out with. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's going well. I do it all remotely because it's way cheaper um, that way through BetterHelp.com. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're great. Um, I, I highly recommend it, uh, especially if you find yourself like already fucking stressed out and then you have a big pile of garbage dumped on you and then you just can't fucking function anymore like that that's kind of like I, I hate that i waited that long to to start the process but sometimes that's what it takes you know yeah i don't be too hard on yourself because i think that's basically how human beings learn yeah is that we we ignore a thing until it catches on fire and then we're like oh fuck this is this shit's on fire yeah you know, the, yeah um my uh my teeth are made of american cheese i uh (laughs) i just went to the dentist uh such a reliable source of bad news and they were like yeah man like that whole time when we said you're supposed to brush like you were actually supposed to be brushing that entire time like you can't (laughs) the like when we text you the reminder like six weeks before your appointment you can't pack like fucking 20 years of brushing your teeth into <laughs> you can't yeah. brush it, you know. Uh, and um the, the this is the difference though, is that um I only have one set of teeth and they're they're gone, they're mush. But the <laughs> but the great thing about um about our brains, about our minds, about ourselves is that they are malleable and renewable. And and also once you've gone to therapy and you sort of like figure out how to do it it's so much easier to do it in the future, um, mm-hmm. you know, cause you recognize that it's a partnership with your therapist, that the two of you are working together to undo your crazy brain and not, it's not like some made for TV movie where like you're trying to outsmart your therapist or, you know, the, yeah. cause I did that when I was a kid and that was a fucking waste of time. Totally. But it's, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a chess game. So that court mandated therapy really doesn't, uh, it really doesn't, it, doesn't take that often you know <laughs> yeah yeah the um so let's talk about the band yeah lay it on me brother man the so no shortage of uh huge life changing transformations uh for you the i i know that after nearly 20 years together um your singer pulled the plug on the sword and it sounds like that was something that sort of caught you flat-footed. Yeah. Um, it, I've, I've been really hesitant to, you know, especially like do another episode of my own talk show. Um, because I know everybody's dying for a fucking statement from me. Um, and I just wanted to make sure that I said things right uh, without being overly emotional about it. Uh, before I released anything, and um, I really I trust you, so I, I don't mind talking to you about it. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna be honest here, I'm not mean or anything like that, but it, you know, it was the sword was a thing that you know JD started a long, 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 long time ago, and uh, I was kind of the first person that he pulled into the ring when he wanted to flesh it out from being like a one man band kind of thing to uh, a whole band. And uh, we went through a fucking lot together over pretty much 20 years, uh, yeah. which is ha- half my life at this point. Um, and we went through a lot of changes during that whole time. And it became apparent the, the the more involved that I got with, 
you know, the business side of things and, and, and using that part of my brain and pushing that. And um, the more down the road he went of being, you know, the, the, the person dictating the direction, the creative direction of the band and things like that. I mean, we all contributed writing and riffs and song ideas and things like that, but he was the principal, you know, songwriter, band leader, um, mm-hmm. uh, what have you, um, uh, front, front person. Um, he was always very reluctant, you know, at being that, having that role in the band, even though it was his band, you know, and things like that. And so it was, you know, it created, it was, it was kind of like, um, I always said that we were the, the Weezer of metal bands, you know, we're just <laughs> like just four fucking nerds, you know, that are just into really cool shit that just fucking shred. And, and, and like, we, we were never that metal band that was going to dress up in fucking spikes and, bring swords and wear chainmail on the fucking state. It's just dumb, you know? And I, I think that kind of dynamic uh, really attracted a lot of people to us. And it also, I don't know, it just made us a really polarizing thing, you know, um, entity. Like it, it almost became like cool to hate on the sword, you know, where at the same time we would still outsell anybody, you know, if we went on tour. And so it was just, it, it was never emotionally easy for um, us in, in different ways. You know, we all kind of we, we we were four very different people, mm-hmm. um, and so it just after a while the I I think just being misunderstood for so long just took a toll on you know uh, him and he was just done. He was just didn't have anything more to say with that particular project, and you know it, it sucked for me because I in all you know fairness i mean like we kind of all went through this in 2018 when uh, our last record use future came out Uh and um it was not well received and it was just two albums in a row of people being like what the fuck is this and i don't know i go back and listen to it and the albums are fucking great tucker martin produced the living shit out of use future you know and it just it's a fucking great record it's just not age of winners part two which is uh, what right. a bunch of our fucking, you know, mouth breathing fans fucking wouldn't shut the fuck up about online. But you always, you do have to remember that, um, you know, th- th- those people are the vocal minority. You know, they're right. Y- you can't pay attention to those people, but it's really difficult for some people not to. So it just all the the pressure and the negativity all surrounding that just made the whole thing seem very unappealing. So uh, that's when we pulled the plug uh back in 2018 and then that was really only going to be like a year off like we the primus sort of called us up and was like we're going to do this rush tour it's going to be crazy we want the sword to open the whole thing and we all came together and we're like yeah this sounds great we're gonna let's get the band back together and really try it again and stuff and um we we had a bunch of old demos and then some new songs and so there was a lot floating around and then the fucking pandemic happened yeah. And then so that stretched that hiatus into like a three year period where the, by the time we got back together, the sword hadn't been in the same room together in three years. Mm-hmm. And so we dusted off everything, put together a set, got the band back in shape, did the whole Primus tour. Things were feeling really fucking good. You know, we had um, some new stuff we were working on that, you know, wasn't going to be, you know, Age of Winners Part Two, but it was, you know, we had agreed to make. A heavy record and i don't know just everything was looking really good 
for that. It was still weird touring in a post-COVID world, but you know, the the tour that we did earlier this year with Zombie, that went really fucking well, you know, and I was feeling great. And um the the tour that we just our last tour apparently with uh Clutch um didn't really go that well. It was just weird. I don't know. It's every band tours differently now. You know, and that that tour itself was fraught with a lot of like, you know, like the AC went out on our van for like five days, so we were just raw dog in life in the summer, you know. Uh, oh, fucking yeah. yeah, and just there was a, there was a lot of hardship that just sort of left a bad taste in our mouth at the end of that one, and then the, that with just I don't know the 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 creative momentum seemed to sort of be stagnating, and I don't know. The more we talked about it, I, I had been trying to to get a European tour booked. Not really like trying to. It's just like when you get offers, somebody's got to fucking pick up the phone, you know. And our, our manager had. Uh, sort of fired himself uh without fucking calling me thanks larry um <laughs> yeah talk, talk to the guy every day for seven years and then one day i find out from our old drummer that he doesn't work for us anymore fucking piss me off he still hasn't called me so fuck you larry but um uh you know it, it was just like it was a lot of lot of resentment in there can you tell i'm filled with hate can you can you tell um, get it get it out dude just yeah, the, yeah. i i believe in fucking telling people how you feel about them whether it's like you know i would i would take a bullet for you or i'm gonna push a bullet through you <laughs> you know the, and the i i've i've had enough people die on me and i have felt like my own life was going to end enough times that i vowed that um when I go down, my friends will know who they are and my enemies will know who they are too. Yeah. I'm just yeah. not going to fucking hold my tongue. Yeah, for, for real. But but that paired with um, just getting the, I don't know, man, just get, just trying to get that European tour in, in ship shape while uh, operating under the restraints that everyone else is putting on the fucking organization it, it was really fucking stressful for me and then yeah one day our singer just called me up and said i can't do it anymore and it was it's really really very simple it's just a long story um and you know i don't blame it like at all it's just it fucking sucks but you know uh it it might not be the end i mean like who fucking knows five years from now we get some crazy offer to do a show or something you know i'm sure we'll entertain the notion it's not like a you know, like a David Byrne thing saying, I'll never talking heads ever again. But um, as far as there being more music or anything like that, it's over. And so uh, I, I ugly cried for about two days um, Yep. and got a fucking therapist uh, to start working through all this garbage and um, received about 10,000 amazing messages from people. Um and then one really shitty message from this guy that I just lit on fire. I, 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 <laughs> I kind of, I kind of feel bad about that. One, but you know what? Fuck that guy. And so it's just not, that was not the day to come at me like that. Um, but you know, it, it, it's weird, man. Um, yeah. Half my, like having that much like bandwidth in my brain dedicated to that, company apparently for you know the all intense you know it's just like really it's there's so much fucking involved with that organization that it's it took up a lot of bandwidth in my brain you know and so for me to finally let that bandwidth go and like to think about what it is i wanted to do i didn't fucking know all i knew is that i have no money and i need to get like every job i can get right now so 
I worked, I basically like, I started bartending at this awesome bar in Austin called the Silver Metal that I hang out at pretty much every day anyway. So I thought I might as well make money there instead of spend money there. <laughs> and then um, I started working the door at a gay bar downtown, which is going rather well. It's uh, <laughs> nice. never, never uneventful uh, at the Swan Dive. And um, yeah, just, I, I've, I started painting uh, again every day, which um it's something that I did when the pandemic kind of popped off. I'd never painted before. I just I had a shitload of copies of my solo album that weren't selling themselves. And so I took a Sharpie and I drew the kiss makeup on my face, like, you know, over four of them. And I was like, hey, anybody want these? 25 bucks a pop. And I, I sold them. So I took my $100 down to Jerry's Artorama uh, here in Austin and uh, bought some oil paints and just started experimenting with uh, creating what I then or what I now call my solo album variant cover series. Um, and so I've done like over 200 of them at this point. I, I, I basically just paint myself as, um, you know, R2-D2 or fucking, I, I, there's there's so many. I, I've got a bunch right here. Uh, Dude, so I, 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 I remember watching this clamps, unfold from fucking, like the very first like Kiss makeup. And it's, yeah. it's brilliant. It's such a great premise. The Thanks, man. Um, and you've, you've turned into a great painter too. the, I, I, I don't know where you have the, like the time and energy to do all this. I I finally got fucking stickers made and I just shipped a bunch of merch today and I forgot to put the fucking stickers in. I can't even do that. You know, the, <laughs> ain't that a bitch doing it all yourself. Oh, I, I fucking hate it. I, I, I have to say, man, that I, um, I know that you're down the well right now and I feel for you, but I don't worry about you because yeah. you're, you're you're such a gifted guitarist you're such an incredible performer your resume is i mean i know you're gonna land on your feet and also like as a friend like man i know you're like you know fucking getting kicked right now and the yeah i wish there was something i could do you know the i wish uh, you know that's that's how we feel about all the people we love in our lives you know is that yeah. if there were if there was a way for me to take some of that pain off you so you weren't so you know, so deep in it, but I know you're going to come out on top, dude. I'll, I'll be back on top one day. I don't know when, and I don't know how, um, but I'm getting there. I'm doing the work, you know? And so that's, um, there, there's comfort in there, but and a, a good friend of mine, Joey cook, uh, who I, I work with, um, at the bar, he plays in a great band called Holy wave. Um, uh, he, so I was telling him working, you know, the, the door at a bar downtown fucking kind of sucks, but, you know, it's easy money and it's there. And he, he goes, yeah, that's the kind of job that, that really makes you realize what you want to do with your life. <laughs> I was like, so I'm going to, I'm going to work there. And so, uh, I basically can't stand it anymore. Uh, not, not playing guitar. Um, it's, you know, it I want to talk about this. It, so many people that have so many stupid comments about, uh, the, everything that I'm going through right now, the, the right thing to say to a person when they're going through shit like this is that sucks. I'm sorry. I'm here if you need anything, you know, that's really the only real response uh, instead of you can join my band or uh, yeah. you just get a new singer for the sword or, or like, yeah, that's going to fucking happen. Or, you know, um, any, any number of just weird left field offers. I know people mean well, I'm sure. Or maybe they're just trying to take advantage of me like everybody else does. Uh, but, you know, uh, it, I, I do have an idea or, you know, some people are like hey man come play a show here or whatever i did have fucking two solo gigs booked um before the sword news broke that i just did not want to fucking play 
um, after, after the news broke. But I ain't no fucking quitter. Uh, so I played him, and I got drunk, brother. Oh, my Lord, I got fucking <laughs> plowed. And I played those shows, and I got paid. Um, but, yeah, I'm taking a step back from music, at least for the rest of the year, because getting a band together is so fucking hard. And the older you get, the harder it gets, you know? And it's just fucking, it's not something that I take lightly. It's, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pro, you know? I'm not going to do something half-assed. Um, that's what my solo shit is for. Uh, if I'm going to do a <laughs> band and everything, you know, it's, it's, I'm really going to dial it in and make sure it's great. And the, the one thing that, uh, that I have sort of in my back pocket um, that I know people like, that people still listen to, that people uh, ask me about all the time, that I currently have offers for, um, is Doom Side of the Moon, my, my heavy metal Pink Floyd uh, laser oh, band. Man. Yeah. And so I don't know if you ever listen to that stuff, but it's basically I, I, my... I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm I'm not a Pink Floyd fan, but the I work I worked in a bar in New York when they had mm-hmm. uh, Dub Side of the Moon come through. Oh yeah, and the and it was great. It was fucking great. And the um and I'm a fan of yours. The so man, I'm actually stoked to hear it. <laughs> it's really it's a lot of fun. Um, and I, I'm not a big Pink Floyd fan either. That's kind of like was the whole joke of the thing. That's kind of how it started. Was I was I was planning on doing a solo album back in twenty. 20- uh 16 um but then the sword had just released high country which was a very polarizing album when it came out and um i i had taken some time off the grass um but i was hanging out i was actually living in brooklyn at the time um and i was i went over to my friend uh rob's place or somebody somebody gave me some weed and i got real high i got i mean i got a high high you know like when you don't smoke for a while and you get high again Ooh, you know, I, um, I I don't smoke, so whenever I smoke, uh-huh. that's how high I get, and that's why yeah, I, I can't yeah, smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got I got that high, I got that fucking high, and I was like, man, nobody wants my the, the fucking solo album for me right now. It's damn sure ain't gonna sound like the sword, and that is just not gonna make anybody happy. And then I was like, man, I should just make a fucking Pink Floyd heavy metal band, call it Doom Side of the Moon. And then like, I don't know what happened. I was like, that's actually not a bad idea. And then I kind of went home, looked it up, and I was surprised that nobody had really ever done a heavy metal version of Dark Side of the Moon. Like the, a bunch of bands had covered it, like Dream Theater had covered it, and Government Mule did that thing. But then there was, you know, Dub Side of the Moon, like you said, which was a really cool reimagining of it. And so I was like, what if I did Doom Side of the Moon? And then, but then that presented presented like a whole other thing where I was like, well, I can't go full Doom with it because this is Pink Floyd we're talking about. You can't like you mess with Pink Floyd, you're messing with people's emotions, you know? And so yeah, I was yeah. like, I decided that I was going to do it where I was like, I want to make this album as if Black Sabbath was the band that wrote and recorded those songs instead of Pink Floyd. Wow. And so that was kind of where I started. And I just wanted to mix everything up to where I was just basically like, well, on this song, the bass is playing the riff. So I'm going to make that the guitar riff and the bass can follow the drums. And then, so instead of doing a guitar solo here, I'm going to have a saxophone solo there. And just everything just, I don't know, it became this real big production that I did and uh, arranged. And then it, it was, it also kind of harkened back to when I was a kid, I went to go see one of those Pink Floyd laser shows um, that yeah, yeah. It ended up being really lame. And I was like, oh, this, this is stupid. It's just like four lasers. And it only looks cool if you buy the $5 glasses to, to make it all kaleidoscopic. And it was just, it was not at all what I thought it was going to be. And so in my Doomside preparation, I was just thinking, what if 
kind of did it, but like like what I wanted it to be like when I was a kid. And so it really, I had a really powerful vision for it, you know, and that just, I did it all behind the scenes. I secured all the copyrights, all the trademarks, I recorded, produced the whole thing. This is back when you could get vinyl turned around in like six weeks. So yeah. I, you know, sent it off to the plants, got everything lined up, and then I just fucking dropped it, you know, and all of a sudden everyone was like what the fuck i actually hit i think it was number 82 on the billboard top 200 uh oh charts the week that it came out with a fully independent release you know that's really difficult to do that's amazing and uh, yeah. so it was all I, I did all that legwork i put on the shows they were fucking great um i took it on a little tour where i lost six thousand dollars on it because again this is all on my fucking dime yeah. Um, so uh, I eventually made the money back. The, the company still makes a little bit of money and over time to pay for um, business filing and just ra random little things like that. Um, and then I, uh, through the slow stream, I did get paid back over time. So uh, I'm, I'm in the black on that project. And I just thought, you know, I, I already did all that legwork, you know, that was really, it was a lot of fucking work to do. And so I think that's going to be the focus of my next musical endeavor. Although I'm not going to do that until January because, you know, this year has not been very kind to me and I don't want to force anything. I think I need to take a little time to heal. I think I'm still in shock over the sword news, uh, to be honest. And yeah, um, yeah, it just, um, it's, dude, I, it's, it's a huge loss. It's a huge part of yeah. your life. It's not just like sloughing off an old skin. It's yeah. like, losing a limb or losing uh -huh. two limbs, you know, the, um, I, man, I, I have bands that like broke up in a, a, you know, the sort of, uh, you know, torching everything on the way out. And I'm still not over that, uh -huh. you know, it, that it felt like, it felt like I was divorcing every member of my family and like losing my identity. You know, mm -hmm. the I've grieved for bands the way I grieved for alcohol when I quit drinking, where I was like, who will I be after this, after this, you know, uh -huh. the, um, so the, I mean, you're allowed to feel as fucking bad as you want for as long as you want, dude. It, it is, it's a huge transformation in your life. It's a huge, um, you know, between, uh, you know, breaking up with your partner and, and moving and the you know and then you know having the band end it's just it's so much change um like all at once so yeah. yeah dude you're allowed to take as much time off as you want you're allowed to you're allowed to get drunk and fucking scream and cry in the streets if you need to somebody mouths off when you're working the door you're allowed to throw one you know the it's, <laughs> it's not the it's not a small thing you know yeah and, and man, I, I so many things to respond to, like what you said, that when you're talking about the com being super stoned and coming up with doom side of the moon, I just, my brain instantly flashed to Garfield, the cat doing like a huge bong rip. And then up <laughs> and being, I don't know why that came into my head, but maybe it's because when you said the, I was already thinking about cats because when you said the smartest thing you can say to somebody when they're when they're grieving or fucked up or feeling a loss is just the that fucking sucks and i'm sorry that was mm -hmm. my christmas card last year dude <laughs> no, I, sure. <laughs> I, a, a friend of mine a guy i used to you know i used to make music with and he was in a brilliant band called the vitamin he started the company postable 
And he was like, yeah, if you want to send out a Christmas card, like fucking um, let's do it. And he gave me a bunch of credit. So I made a, a card of my cat sitting in my truck and it, it just said on the card, it fucking sucks. And I'm sorry, because that was the smartest <laughs> thing that anyone said to me while I was going through what I was going through. Yeah. And sometimes that's all we want to hear from somebody else that like, don't solve my fucking problems. You know, the um, just just tell me if you you hear me, you know, uh-huh. that, that you can tell that it's hurting me, something like that. Yeah. It's a, uh, it, it's, I, yes, I've just, I've been kind of just going through the motions, you know, like I said, just working too much, finally getting somewhat of a vision again with this, the new doom side thing. So I'm, I'm feeling good about that. Um, I, I even have a name uh, for the next record and um, a sort of a loose arrangement going. I just, I think I need to like put the guitar down for a while. I was joking with somebody that uh, if I ever go into my son's room when he's like 15 and I find the guitar, I'm going to like put it through the wood chipper and be like, this shit's going to ruin your life. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't ever want to see you playing with one of these ever again. <laughs> it's like under his bed, like a copy of penthouse. Letters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> this shit will rot your mind. The... <laughs> Or the wait, or is the alternative that you're like, oh, you want to play guitar, huh? All right, well, I'm just gonna make you shred for 12 hours, and then yeah, you'll, yeah, right. You'll never want to play again. You're gonna play every mode. Let's go. <laughs> the, David Dondero has a song called "This Guitar Ruined My Life," and the yeah. it's a brilliant song, and also that's all you need to know about it is because because <laughs> it's fucking true, you know. And I I think about how much um how much joy how much experience how much pain you know my guitar has brought me like the you know i've you know i'm fucking you know small potatoes compared to what you've done but my guitar that has been the like sort of magic beanstalk that like let me go over to the uk and like play music in a foreign country and hear people in a a different country from mine sing my lyrics Mm -hmm. back to me and that was you know profoundly meaningful and and also the man fucking god it would have been nice to just have a fucking normal life and like drive my car to the store and buy bread and go home you know like the our lives are just like you know uh, jumping from one fucking burning building to the next often mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i you know as i oh, much of the allure of playing guitar was that I knew I was never going to have enough money to travel all over the world. But I was pretty sure that if I stuck with playing music, that I would be able to, to get paid to travel all over the world. And um, it, it worked. Uh, uh, there's no way I would have ever been able to go to the, all the places that I've seen and, 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 and been and everything if it hadn't been for just, I, I don't know, just being crazy enough to never stop. And uh, because, I mean, I don't know, I, I never wanted um, technically like a, a safe life, I guess, you know, or a very uneventful life. I, I really wanted, I don't know. I had like a bloodlust for like just living like an animal and doing whatever I wanted. I, I think that if I would have gone to college or gotten a job, you know, at a bank or whatever or something, I probably would have blown my brains out. You know, yeah. I don't think that, I, I don't know. It's, I've always kind of been plagued with suicidal thoughts. I think it's kind of because I think it got exacerbated by being in the band a lot because um, I have like a serotonin deficiency that was probably made worse by 
you know, playing a show and getting like a crazy adrenaline spike and then counteracting that with booze and drugs. And then so the next night you get an even bigger adrenaline spike. And then so you need even more booze and drugs. And then you do that every night for 38 days on the road. And then you come home and you flatline that first night that you don't play a show and you don't get that adrenaline rush. But then you keep boozing because you're yeah. just used to it, you know, and it just creates this like seismic mess in your fucking uh, neurotransmitters and yeah it just so it i don't know like the, the the propensity for that's already there for me um so maybe it was made worse by my career choices but it, but even before all that i still had that kind of dark streak in me from when i was a kid and i just did not want to fucking live in west texas anymore and i knew there had to be a bigger life out there and so i've always been a very uh, ambitious person although i have very uh, low standards. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, uh, Beto Martinez, uh, or maybe it was Adrian Casada, I can't remember, uh, one of the two, uh, said um, their mission statement for their band was aim low, be high. You know, and that was kind of <laughs> sort of how I've always looked at my um, my ambition. Aim low, be high. I, I know that you will uh return to guitar and that you'll you'll be on top again and and here's how i know um when i was living in new york the the best guitar player that we knew was damian paris um i'm still close friends with him he's in a band called the giraffes one day i'm gonna i'm gonna engineer it for you guys to meet each other and he was um i started playing guitar when i was like five or six you know Mm -hmm. like i i knew that um, music had power over me that I couldn't explain. And so I sort of went to it, but I, I, I don't, um, I, I, I've never been, never been good at practicing and I don't have a lot of natural gifts for playing guitar. And also then I, I figured out at some point that like, if I learned, I learned it, I learned enough guitar to get the bartender to play me, a, to buy me a drink and somebody to go home with me. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, all right, that's it. That's all I need to know. But but Damien picked up the guitar when he was like 19 and we watched him just like, f- like freak the fuck out. Just be, you know, just become this incredibly gifted player, a uh, lefty guitar player, played a right hand guitar, uh, you know, upside down. And we were just sort of like from show to show, you would see him like just explode. And the, my first experience of the swords music was uh, Damien winning like the shredding competition in new york uh playing songs by the sword whoa that's wild yeah and the so i don't know man i just the i want to tell you like what uh what you already know to be true which is that uh your music has reached so many people in so many different ways that you haven't found out about that you that you'll continue to find out about and that um you're not done yet buddy <laughs> like all the all the good and bad that playing guitar has brought into your life the you still got like at least you know 100% more to go <laughs> i'm sorry i got i got some more licks in me i don't know it's um I, i've been I, I i never do this but um in, in getting the the doom side of the moon project sort of in my brain again i went back and listened to it all and um it, it was funny i just I, I was kind of at one point was listening to it like jesus christ i was like on the fire then i and I, I remembered that fire i remember like our daughter had just been born i was just i don't know i just had it in me you know and um yeah. and i and i don't right now and um and i that's 
it's sad, but it it all it's it's it it's slowly but surely like starting to like kind of come together in my brain, and like I I am gonna have that fire again one day. But of course, like uh, winter has just descended upon us and <laughs> everything, so it's kind of like I'm already into, into like going into hiding mode. But um, uh, I am gonna go away for a minute. But when I come back, um, everyone will know, and uh, I just don't know when that's gonna be. But um, I'm not gonna force it. I am gonna take some time to. Yeah, just regroup and and, and heal uh, <laughs> and, and things um, like that. So we'll we'll see. But thank thank you for the, the your your faith in me. I I sincerely appreciate that. What one of my favorite novels that I've ever read uh, is called Biggest Elvis, and it's about an Elvis impersonation group. It's three different guys. Um, you know, the young brother, the 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 good brother does you know Sun Sessions Elvis, mm-hmm. and then the older brother does. Um, like uh 68 comeback leather Elvis. Yeah. Uh-huh. and then this guy who had been like their you know community college teacher or whatever he's biggest elvis right so he's <laughs> you know he's like fat and blown out the but um there's they're always arguing about who gets to do which songs you know because the um you know the youngest elvis only does stuff from the sun sessions catalog and then you know the leather elvis like gets tired of doing his shit and wants to do stuff from the sun sessions, but you know, he's not allowed to, but biggest, biggest Elvis is allowed to do any song from any era because (laughs) biggest Elvis encompasses every Elvis that has come before him. Mm. So the, you still have, and I I love that as a metaphor as, as sort of thinking about people and the way our experience informs who we are is that, you know, I'm no longer, uh, you know, 22 year old, um, drunk shithead, but, but I still have that guy in me. And like, mm-hmm. when I see 22 year old drunk shitheads at the bar on the street or whatever, the, I recognize myself in them, you know, the, so that guitar player that you heard on doom side of the moon, where you were like fucking high five, this guy rocks like the, yeah. you, you still have that guy in you. And the, and what you said there of like, I'm going to go away. And I don't know how long it takes, but when I come back, everybody's going to know, holy shit, dude, that's like a line out of fucking Kung Fu Panda or something. That's amazing. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that, like, we have so much other shit I want to like talk about. But I was like, the, that's a fucking mic drop right there. I, I, I just, I, I've, I've done too much to just walk away entirely. And, you know, I've, I've gotten some offers to do some just work work you know um but i don't know i don't think i'm done yet yeah the it's funny because um i had keith from every time i die on uh shortly after the the band announced that they were Uh breaking up and i think they called it quits after 19 years as well and it was a long time yeah yeah the um and it's it's wild to hear the echoes in that conversation in this conversation with you of just mm-hmm. the um because it does uh, you know i mean uh, neither one of us are capable of saying it without doing fucking air quotes or like you know it, you gotta heal but it's true it's the, it's so yeah. corny yeah. and that we're so reluctant true. to like true. go in on that but it, it's it's absolutely true like you you know you got to take time away to sort of repair the damage that that you've done to yourself and that other people have done to you by, because you fucking read the comment section and nobody should ever do that. 
the, For real. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I had to take, when I got sober, I had to take, I took five years before I started playing those old songs out in public again. Yeah. And when I was going back through and sort of like relearning my catalog, um, the, I was like playing a song one day and, and uh, I was just practicing and I was bored and I wasn't feeling it. And I sort of spaced out. And then I came back to like the, the lines I was singing and I was like, Oh my God, this guy's in trouble. Like, I hope he's okay. Yeah. And that guy was me, but I'd had to take that big of a chunk of time that I sort of didn't recognize myself to sort of, to go back and, and to go into that stuff again. And the, and those songs took for fucking ever for anything to happen with them. So, um, I don't know. Fortunately, I think that there's a long tail on good art. You know, I think, I think you're allowed to go back and fucking, um, finish the doom side of the moon and, and get that out, you know? Uh, it, it mostly, you know, it, to it, it doesn't use the creative part of brain hardly. It does, but I, I have a really sharp like business mind, uh-huh. you know. And so it's the the whole thing really is like an exercise in music business, like how to apply for licenses, cover songs, how to how, how the statutory royalty rates um, uh, affect how you can sell your album, how the copyrights that you have to have, the trademarks that you have to file for, the fucking, the, the merchandising rules, the fucking, it was just so much that it was, there was so much meat on that bone um, to, the, that I dug in on and everything. So, and then like it, when it, when it comes to the sword or even any of the bands that I had been in before that uh, was all our original material, I never had stage fright. I'm fucking born to be on the stage. I will be a guitar and a fucking tall boy and put 65,000 people out there. I, I that was what I was made to do is to go fucking jam out and just rock every single one of those people. Um, the first time I ever got nervous to walk on stage was the first Doom Side of the Moon show when I was like, oh shit, huh. what the fuck? Are we oh my God, I'm going to cover Pink Floyd in front of, there's a thousand people out there? That's ridiculous. People, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was it's just, it, it was funny how like, different i looked at it than a project that i was creatively invested in so interesting to hear that the i mean it's it's totally true what you say the you know when i saw you guys play here in phoenix the and i like walked in and got a hug from you the i was like that was fun kyle is like taller uh more good looking glowing (laughs) and then when you got up on stage it was just like you know, a fucking joy ride from, from start to finish. And I was like, here is a man who is doing what he fucking loves. You know, yeah. the, that it's, you know, sort of matching the perfect person to the perfect job. And mm-hmm. the, and you, I mean, incredible fucking band. And and you just look like you were having such a blast up there. It's um so it's really interesting to hear that the first time you got nervous was doing somebody else's stuff. I always, whenever I used to sing karaoke with people, it's always humiliating because every comic I know it was like a fucking drama nerd in high school. So they all sing right. better, better than I do. And they're like, what your range is like, you know, fucking half an octave. And I'm like, yeah, you fucking, you've, you've heard my songs. I do one thing and it sounds like a walrus dying. And then they get up there and they're fucking singing queen and like nailing it. And uh-huh. the, 
But I found singing songs at karaoke. I'm surprised by how um, how much I'm affected emotionally by singing somebody else's song. And I think that mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, it's sort of that, um, you know, give a man a mask and he'll speak the truth, that kind of thing that if I'm up there doing a fucking Springsteen song or something, I'm like, man, I really do love New Jersey. You know, the, uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. Um, the, so it's, it, I don't know. It's interesting that, I don't, that, that, the the Pink Floyd stuff didn't set you free as much as I don't know. Did you feel like you were like in service to the material, or or you you just got nervous and you don't know why? No, uh, I mean it, it just I I don't know. Uh, it was just uh, there was so much different about it about the whole thing. You know, like I was the tour manager. I was sort of the star of the show. Um, every everything was arranged by me you know what I mean? oh, okay. um, it was so there's like um, o- ownership I the band our crew or the thing but then also like i worked for the people that showed up to that paid money to fucking see this show you know i don't want to let them down you know if it's yeah. my own music and, and you don't like it well then go fuck yourself i i uh, you misunderstood me but if i fuck up pink floyd and these people walk away <laughs> disappointed I cannot like and let that happen. You know, it was just a lot of uh, extra pressure on. And also it was the first time that I ever was uh, able to leave the stage during the show. You know, it really, it was, uh. it was a production. It was a real, almost like we had wardrobe. We, we all just in all white, had all white instruments, um, wiped out the whole stage for the backdrop so that we projected onto the entire band. And so we're all this moving psychedelic, crazy laser light show thing oh wow um, but when it came when it came to great gig in the sky uh me and singer we would put our guitars down uh i would walk off stage right he'd walk off stage left and we'd go meet up in the green room to fucking pour some tequila shots and do a little blow you know what i'm saying hey <laughs> it was great. I, uh, I walked out walked out into the crowd and watched my band play for a while it was fucking sick you know people are like looking over like what the fuck are you doing out here man I was like, i'm just rocking out with all it was great that i once the you know the band sort of crescendo you know i ran back you know up on the stage grabbed my guitar and went right into money and then everybody fucking freaks out so it was a really different experience um all around you know for how i was used to 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 playing shows well i I will say though like the the it never gets old playing wish you were here in front of a room full of people that are just eating it up you know what i mean it's honest i think it's one of the greatest songs ever written but it, we did it more of like a, like if the Foo Fighters did it or something, you know, just like kind uh-huh. of a more fast paced, um, high energy rock song, you know. And uh, but uh, nobody had ever heard that song played like that before. So when you do that in front of a room full of people all screaming along, like it, that shit was intoxicating. Man. It was that was a lot of fun. I gotta do that show again. That's gonna be good. The the power of a loud rock band in a small room with a ton, you know, the, like that line from the hold steady, the hold steady. Um, I like the crowd at the really big shows, people touching people that they don't even know, uh-huh. you know, the, the, I think the first big show that I went to go and see sort of post COVID was uh, idols. And yeah, 
it was so loud and it was it actually it reminded me of like when i went to see iron maiden where there were like there were kids there and there were like old people there and it's like uh-huh. i you know phoenix is a small enough market and idols a band with broad enough appeal that there were the sort of like you know uh grizzled old uh you know post-punk um dudes and then the metal dudes and then 13 year old kids and the you know i I talked to some like skater about uh soul glow and the (laughs) and it was just it was weird because it was sort of like the whole community came out and came together and we were and everybody was just like the war is over you know Uh like or you know a moment like that of just like oh my we're free again like the um, I almost got into a fight with a guy like the, I smelled like everybody's <laughs> sweat afterwards. I saw my friend Ryan McKee, who I hadn't seen in fucking years, the, and it just, just being out there in the crowd in the crush of bodies, you know, while mm-hmm. it's so, it's literally so loud. You can't think, you know, where your shirt's flapping, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's so, it's so fucking powerful, dude. It's, yeah, I mean, it is. yeah it's, there's nothing like it. The, I I played in a band called Beat the Devil for a while, and the our singer had this like otherworldly voice. It was just insane, and um, the so the way that we would start the show was I had this huge like forty inch marching bass drum, and I would go hide in the back with that with uh, and I for the mallet I used a pair of maracas taped together. And then the singer and the drummer <laughs> would be up front on stage and she would start singing. Um, and the, uh, I think we went for the first verse with like her singing and the, you know, like sort of minimal drum beat on stage and the, and people would just sort of like turn their heads around. Like, who is this woman? Like what's going on here? And, and, they, and then I came in, you know, behind them on the chorus, like which is wailing on this marching bass drum, but the, and the element of sort of shock and surprise was so fulfilling night after night, but mm-hmm. also to have that experience of like being out in the, cr- to be one of the crowd sort of like watching your own band, the it's like an out of body experience or something. Awesome. I, I, I loved it. I tried to make a point to do it every time we played. We only played about six shows, but yeah, it was uh, a lot of fun. It's the, it's funny, dude, like the, you know, you can articulate all the right sentiments and I can say the right comforting things and they all mean so much less than the excitement that went into your voice when you started talking about that. (laughs) It's like you and I can intellectually reassure each other that Mm -hmm. you're, you're going to fucking return to the stage and kick ass the but the real proof is hearing like hearing your heart beat faster when you talk about the experience of playing live music mm-hmm. it's uh it's all i know at this point i mean i've i've said this before like because whenever the band took a shit a couple of weeks ago uh i was like i gotta get a fucking job you know and i walked into uh, this bar i go to sometimes and i was just like hey y'all hiring and uh they hand me an application like yeah fill this out and blah blah and i then i remembered that without a job application in like since i was 15 <laughs> or something and i was and i remembered that if it's a job that i have to apply for i will not get that job there's just something about me like i couldn't get a job like bagging groceries when i was like 15 in midland texas you know what i mean it was just like yeah. people just will not hire me i don't know why if it involves an application every job 
that I ever got that ever meant anything. I either got just by walking in, being at the right place at the right time, or and just they're like, "You're hired here. Sit down and start working." Or you know, um, creating my own job, like being in bands and things like that. So it's, um, it really is all I know. It's what I'm best, and I I need to get back to it. I really do. One of the last jobs that I had uh, before I before I started publishing and sort of like experienced artistic success was was working the door um, at, at the bar. And I remember one night the and I was working at like a bar in Lower East Side in New York, and it was mm-hmm. just a fucking nightmare shift. Um, it was like whatever Friday and Saturday nights. And I would be working when all the like lawyer, all the bridge and tunnel lawyers would come in. And it was just every night I would have to fight somebody and uh-huh. it, it would be their fault. And yep. I, one night there was a dude at the door um, who had a broken leg who wanted to come in and he was too drunk. And I was nice to him. And I was like, listen, man, the sorry, not tonight. You know, that you've had one too many. And he, he picked up his crutch like to threaten me with it and i i put my hand on it and i put it on the ground and i, I said bro if you hit me with that crutch i'll break your other fucking leg <laughs> it's like something you will work through all that rage there's something about working the door that just brings out the worst in humanity both the I hate people it. going in I know. and the people working the oh god i know it's the, the amount of drunk people that were born in like 1960 that i have to fucking kick out of there i'm like what is fucking wrong with you because <laughs> <laughs> i know we're all here having a good time i mean i don't i truly take no happiness in, in cutting people off as a bartender or kicking people out or denying entry like it makes me feel like a fucking cop and there's nothing i hate but fucking cops but god it's just i'm more I'm i go into like disappointed dad mode you yeah, know where yeah. i'm just like Ugh, God, you hey, can I see your ID? And then you watch him just spill everything out of the purse and then like get down and try to pick it all up. And I'm like, honey, you're not getting here tonight. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> Dude, I had to I had to kick out a guy in a wheelchair once. Lord. What and he was do? like, uh well, he he was just too drunk and like just I was too like, drunk, you yeah. know, like you gotta go. And then I, so I was like, and he refused, of course. And then I was uh-huh. like wheeling him out. He's like putting the brakes down on the wheelchair. <laughs> and I was like, this, this is the worst night of my life. Like, I just, I oh feel, I feel horrible about every fucking part of this. This is just, uh, oh my God. but if, you know, if the bottom fell out for me and if I had to go back to work and go and get a job, I would be doing the fucking door. That's, a, that's what I would be. That's what I'm qualified to do. Uh-huh. That's, that's the gig that I can get, you know? It was yeah. It's it's the most immediate thing that presented itself to me that I could do, and 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 make some money. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like worshiping money, but it's you gotta you gotta play the game, you know, yeah. and stuff. So as long as I do two things that make me money every day, I don't feel like ending it all, you know. And so it's kind of it's where I am right now. And like my friend Joey said, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna figure it out real soon. I'm gonna get sick of it and. uh figure out something else god is cutting people off is so embarrassing or getting in a fight with somebody like at a bar when it's like let's do what do you think is going to happen like you're going to beat me up and, <laughs> and like in the bar you know and all of a sudden it's like yeah in my bar now like wouldn't be fucked up if that's how that shit worked you know <laughs> you really did have to like fight for your bar every night. <laughs> dude i 
I I used to work with this guy who was who's the Marvel uh, villain who like kills half the people in the universe. What the fuck's his name? The huge. Oh, I don't uh, know. Chronos, uh, Thanos, Thanos. I oh, think Thanos. Yeah, 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 I haven't seen I the, to, the newer movies at all, but, but I know the, what you're talking about. I used to work with a security guard who looked like that, and <laughs> that, and I watched like you know. I, these like French guys were at the bar or something, you know, the, and one of them like put, you know, started shit with somebody or something. And, and I had to like, I grabbed Brian, like our dude, our door guy. And I turned to the other guy. And I was like, what do you think's going to happen? Like, get out of here before he fucking kills you. That like, are you, I, I can't, I, I'm a big dude. I would never fight this guy. Like, uh-huh. you know, and you're like a buck 30, like just get the fuck. So, Alcohol's a, it's a hell of a drug. The I, I was forced to to admit that I I think it's my drug of choice. <laughs> oh, me too. Absolutely. That's you know, and it was like one of those things where it was just such a prevalent thing. I didn't like lump it in the drugs category, you know. Yeah, but yeah. no, and then also I'm just so famous for being fucking high all the time, which isn't really as cute as it used to be. Um, and I also don't smoke as much as I used to, because um, the weed that got on. Honest days is absolutely insane. I was just uh, in Phoenix visiting my kids, um, and I didn't call you because I was uh, visiting my kids. Sorry, uh, they, <laughs> they, they take priority. Uh, but um, after they went to sleep one night, I was like, "Ah, oh, fucking Christ! I'm gonna need some weed." It's like, isn't it recreational here now? Yeah, okay. So I looked up a dispensary, found one, went in there. Um, they had a special that was like a fifteen dollar eights, and uh, I was like, "Cool, I'll just take that. I don't care. I'm just gonna smoke some joints." whatever it's not a big deal you know um i'll take anything and uh, so get back to where i was staying uh rolled up a joint smoked it and i turned in third grader you know i was like what the fuck dude like if they had yeah weed like this that was 15 dollars an eighth when i was 15 years old i would have never done anything with my life i would have just sat around smoking bottle day you know and so i was i kind of had to think about it. I was like wow i'm really not like a fucking super stone dog anymore i really only get high at night uh you know and and this and that and, you know I, I like other drugs and it's fun but i'm not like i used to consider myself a drugs addict not really a drug addict because uh-huh. it was just like i didn't really like need any one like you know one particular thing that i was chemically dependent on but i did just like drugs i was like what do you got i just want to feel anything but how i feel right now but alcohol was just always this like constant, you know, that was just like sustenance more than um, the, anything that I thought that I did to feel differently, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, the older I get, the you know, the, the, and I I did put the bottle on for a little while uh, in 2021, um, but my life didn't get any better, you know. Uh-huh. And I, I realized that it wasn't the alcohol that was ruining my life. So um, I was living in Savannah, Georgia at the time. So I went down the street and uh, drank. Uh, I think I had a shot of uh, uh, Bushmills and a Guinness. And I like I hadn't had a drink in like two months. And I fucking felt like a fish in a fish bowl, looking out at everybody like, man, y'all are crazy. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm just> like... <laughs> and uh, I think then that became that was when alcohol became my drug of choice, but I didn't really like understand that until like last week when out of nowhere, my therapist was like, you know, we were having a conversation about something. And then she just like took a sharp left turn and was like, what's your choice? And I really had to think about it for a minute. It was funny. Um, having to admit that. Um, but yeah, I don't know why I went off on that, but, Oh, you're talking about drunk people. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm happy that, uh, 
that you find pleasure in multiple substances. And <laughs> the, I, um, and yeah, alcohol was, you know, obviously hands down my, my favorite thing, my, my, my first and my worst, the, yeah. but if I, um, you know, if I have like, if I don't have stage four lung cancer or something like that, the, I will, I will fucking eat a steak before I die and I will have another drink before I die. The, yeah. Um, but not if I know that I'm going to live because I'm fucking <laughs> alcoholic, I'm real bad. <laughs> the, um, Kyle, dude, thank you so much for fucking taking the time to do this, dude. The, I know that, um, you know, I know you're, know you're going through a ton of shit and the, I, I you know, I know people want to, whenever yeah, it sounds trite, it sounds like one of those like healing things, you know, the, but every time we do a, a podcast like this where people just sit down and they're like, man, I'm not having a fucking great time. Like, let's do it. The, um, the response is overwhelming and it, yeah. it legit does help so many people. The, so, so thanks for coming on. Thanks for, um, thanks for just fucking diving right into it. Um, where, where can people find you? Do you have a Patreon, like where people can fucking sign up to support you and shit like that? I have too many things. Um, uh, it's, yeah, I will, if you, if you have another minute, I'll give you my philosophy about this because yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I, I've tried things about having like a big cartel page, which I do have, but I tried to, you know, have my, you know, online merch store, which I do have is uh, indie merch.com slash Kyle shut. Um, that you can get my t-shirts and records and stuff from. I have Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the highway, uh, where you can contribute to my podcast and things like that. And, um, and then of course, like the sword merch store, the doom of the moon merch store, there's all this shit out there. And I, you know, was thinking about making a, um, like a, a website, just like an old school website where it will direct you to stuff and, and I, I did make a little link tree that i keep on my instagram but one thing that i found out that works way better than that is straight up direct fan involvement and yeah um I, I took a i took kind of a cue from prince which is also i can't wow we did a whole podcast where i didn't talk about Prince, or i guess I, i'm blowing it right now but anyway um we uh, <laughs> almost made it <laughs> almost made it almost fucking made it he always said uh that he didn't he didn't have any fans he just has friends uh -huh. And so I, I really took that to heart. And um, I always uh, on basically I, I mostly live on my Instagram page. Uh, it's at Kyle shut. Um, and uh, that's, and I always say, especially with the paintings or anything like that, I'll just post shit and tell people like, send me a DM. Let's be friends, you know? And yeah. the, as far down the road, friendship as that goes, it's kind of up to you, Jack. But uh, you know, it's, um, it, I have, had more success by directly engaging my fans and answering their little questions, uh, doing guitar lessons with them. And they're just sending them a little fucking high or a happy birthday or a thank you or whatever. You know, it means so much to people that actually give a shit about uh, the things that I do and everything. So that's why every time I do one of these paintings, um, they're, they're almost all commission based. Um, very, very few of them will I do uh, on my own just for fun. Um, that's another story for another time. But like with the <laughs> paintings, I always say like, this painting is the latest request in my solo album variant cover series. Uh, if you want to put in your own, send me a DM. There's no other way that you can get one of these paintings other than to send me a fucking message request it, and then send me some money and then we'll fucking hammer it out. You know, later, uh, it just, it's, it keeps it all in one place for me. It, it makes it like super, 
fun for people. I, I think it makes it fun for people. Um, you know, they, they seem to be having a good time. Uh, famous last words, but um, that, you know, it's just, yes. So you can find me on Instagram at Kyle shut. Um, I hang out on Twitter is more like, um, uh, where I will have a few drinks and say whatever dumb thing comes to my mind. Uh, not trying to be funny. I promise. I, I'm just stupid uh, on there. <laughs> and um, I also found that Twitter is not the place to go sell stuff. Um, yeah. f- for me anyway, it's people are there strictly for hot takes, uh, dank memes, um, you know, <laughs> just, uh, fucking, they want to get, they want to get fed, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? So you got to get on that feed and you get them. Um, but, uh, Instagram people are a lot more, uh, to, uh, me peddling my wares. So that's mostly where you can find me, um, and all the things that I do, but there is a link tree in my little bio profile there that will take you to all those other things that I mentioned. And, uh, yeah, it's one big ugly mess just like my life <laughs> and cut the that's that's what people love you for dude, <laughs> is the um the big uh there was a point in my life um where i realized that geez, and, I, and I, I may have been like 22 when i realized this that just that i was never going to get there that my life would always be chaos and that I just had to be okay with it being uh-huh. chaos. I had like right now the my office or whatever room it is that I'm in. The it, I call it high stepping. It's so fucking dirty in here that I have to like take big steps to step over those two <laughs> guitar cases to get to, and then one more big step over the pile. Of it's high stepping dirty in here. The and uh, I you know it's it is what it is. The um, these are the lives that we've chosen of. Uh-huh. Um, you know, of chaos and disarray and the, and that's one of the things that people love about you. So the, we'll get through this brother. I get to do it. So you don't have to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, thanks Mishka. Um, I, I, I sincerely wouldn't have trusted anybody else with all of this, um, the sensitive information, but um, I have a mountain of respect for you. Uh, I know, like you, like you said, we don't know each other that well or, or haven't for that long, but um, you know a friend when you meet one, and uh, you've always been really great to me, and I really appreciate you. Ah, uh, thanks so much for saying that, man. That's that's incredibly sweet. The um, well, if I'm such a great friend, then call me next time you're in Phoenix. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, technically, and also, I was in Apache Junction, so I didn't want to, you know. And I, uh, I that, that's a foreign country. Out, but, uh, but you were uh, you were busy. I think you went to Ohio that weekend. Um, yeah, yeah. But the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll be um I'll be back in Austin again soon with uh, Jake Flores. So um, if you have not emerged, awesome. Reemerged. Uh, would, oh shit! It'll yeah, be in January to too. So the if you haven't reemerged by then, then we'll come and fucking drag you out. Sounds good. I did come out for a second. Yeah, at the altercation, it was nice to see you. But it was that was the weekend that that yep. news broke for me, and I just yeah going out in public was not in the cards for me. So thanks for understanding. Yeah, no, I, I I feel all that. Um, Kyle, awesome to talk to you, dude, and uh, I'll see you soon, brother. Yes, sir. All right, bye, buddy. Yeah, folks, thank you so much for listening. I know there's uh, some million podcasts out there. We appreciate you uh, you spending your time with us. The um, if you're digging the show, if you're enjoying it, if you if these conversations uh, move you, make you laugh annoy you piss you off 
Um, please take a minute to uh, to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, it helps us grow the show and it helps other people find it. Um, if you'd like to hear bonus episodes, song demos, just sort of uh, ranting off the cuff uh, conversations, all sorts of different uh, bonus material, writing advice, uh, personal blog posts and stuff like that. Uh, go to patreon.com slash Mishka Shabali. Uh, we will be having monthly episodes up there with my mom and I answering uh, questions from readers. And there's all kinds of good stuff there. Uh, thank you so much for supporting. <laughs>